Welcome to this week's podcast, Building Blocks of the Indian Economy. I'm your host, Amar Meni. Now we have looked at the process of land acquisition. It is a difficult one. And in the last few years, land parcels amounting to a bit under 2,000 acres have been coming into the hands of developers each year. A lot of those land transactions have been in Delhi and Mumbai, with the other major cities a distant third, fourth, fifth and sixth. What happens though, when the land has been secured and the process of building starts? Well, that is our focus today, the construction industry, sometimes one which does not make as many headlines as it should. We sometimes tend to overlook the fact that the construction industry is the second biggest employer in the country after agriculture. At the moment, about 70 million people are employed in the industry and another 30 million jobs could be created by the end of this decade. In fact, construction and real estate services could account for one-fifth of the Indian economy by 2030. At the moment, the construction industry makes up a bit over 10% of India's GDP. The sector has linkages going in all directions of the economy. In fact, it is generally thought to have about 250 subsectors, including very deep supply chains for materials like cement, steel, bricks and timber, and all sorts of building supplies and materials. So whilst just a bit over 10% of GDP, in reality, the construction industry is linked to about half of India's GDP. Given this, just think of the multiplier effect. By some estimates, a rupee spent in the construction sector can multiply by five times as it ripples out through all those linkages and forward and backward supply chains. We can basically divide the construction industry between real estate construction, both residential and commercial, and then infrastructure roads, railways, power plants, and the like. And in the construction sector, it is the real estate construction segment which absorbs 87% of workers. Only 13% work on those infrastructure projects. Not long ago, Harsh Goenka, chairman of RPG, took to, I think, Twitter, now X, to write, We want construction workers. We can't find enough. We want truck drivers. Huge shortage. We want plantation workers. They are not available. Now you may be surprised to know that the construction industry has a shortage of labor. Hmm. Now how could a country of 1.4 billion people, which regularly exports labor in all skill categories all around the world, possibly have a shortage of labor? But yes, it's true. Let me try and explain. Across the board, in the Indian economy, there might be a shortage of 150 million skilled workers, and in building and construction specifically, about 30 million. See, only 5% of India's workforce has any formal skills training, compared to developed countries where it ranges from about 50% in the United States to South Korea's 96%. 5% in India, 96% in Korea. And construction tops the list of industries for this lack of skills training. This shortage of construction workers leads to delays and cost blowouts in completing projects. 
technically skilled manpower and project managers are in short supply. There is much more demand for civil engineers than there is supply. Only 50% of civil engineering graduates go into the construction industry, which they're essentially trained for, with many opting to go for jobs in the IT sector or work on more lucrative projects in the Middle East. Generally, construction work in India is seen as less attractive for engineers. The pay is lower, the work is project-based, that is temporary, and the projects are in different parts of the country. When finished in one place, the developer will generally start again with new staff in a new location. Companies are having to lower recruitment standards, so instead of engineers with university degrees, they will now accept diplomas. There is also a shortage of construction workers. Construction workers are only likely to work on site when there is no agricultural work back at home in the village. They also have to keep in mind the cost of living. For example, a construction laborer might get paid 500 rupees a day in Mumbai, but they will find the city too expensive to live in. Even the 500 rupees is not worth it. Part of this labor shortage is pandemic-induced. Labor is not yet returned in full number from the villages. But part of it is structural. Construction labor is hired through contractors and subcontractors. And so quality and skill sets also vary according to the contractor's ability in rounding them up. And the use of contractors means they have to be paid, they have to get their cut, which eats into the pay for the laborers. See in Noida, a laborer might get paid less, just about 300 rupees a day, but there is place for them to stay. They can save more money. They can live. There is, of course, plenty of construction labor in India. All developers would need to do is provide for the workers very basic needs, like they do when Indian workers go abroad to the Middle East and Southeast Asia. If their basic accommodation needs were taken care of, much of this labor shortage would evaporate. Furthermore, given the abysmal level of vocational trades and skills training, Developers will have to provide on-the-job systematic training for things like carpentry and masonry and plumbing and the like, rather than just relying on the contractor to round up the required number of heads. There is plenty of labor, but the pay and conditions of work are such that that abundant labor will choose other forms of work to keep themselves occupied. They have choices after all, whether it be the engineer who can get an IT job, or the laborer who would rather stay on their land. So builders have a bit of a headache when it comes to getting the required labor together for their project. But then it does not get any easier when it comes to procuring raw materials. No, there are not major shortages, but all the building materials have become rather expensive in recent years. A constraint on expanding projects has been the rise in the cost of raw materials. Steel and cement account for about 30% of the cost of a construction project. The jump in steel prices is in turn led by an increase in the price of iron ore, crude oil, and coking coal. But if developers raise their sale prices by more than about 10%, they will start to see a large contraction of demand. In fact, in the past couple of summers, this increase in the cost of raw materials actually led to a 40% decline in construction activity. Even cabling and putty and fabrications, glass and wood, have seen soaring prices. 
you will find again that this is partly seasonal and partly structural. See, global energy prices and inflation generally have been on the rise, but raw materials like cement and steel are also more expensive than they should be in India due to low productivity and low capacity. These industries are quite inefficient by global standards, so those materials which go into the buildings are more expensive than they should be, which of course makes the prices paid by the home buyer so much higher than they should be. If the problems of labour and raw material were not enough, developers have been having difficulty gathering finance for their buildings. Even before the pandemic, the flow of funds to residential construction projects had come to a low. Both individual and institutional investors had stayed out of the market completely. They felt that there were just not returns in the sector. Even banks largely cut off the supply of funds directly to developers back around 2016 2017. It was non-bank financial companies which had been funding the sector, but they themselves got into financial troubles and so that flow of funds dried up. See, the heyday of the Indian residential property market was around the first half of the 2010s, up to around 2016, but then there was weak demand, inventory built up, developers defaulted, there was the worsening of the non-bank financial company crisis, the government even banned housing finance schemes from allowing developers to pay home loan interest payments for buyers until the construction was completed. Now obviously if developers are struggling to get finance, that means it will take longer to complete projects, fewer projects will come through, meaning less supply and higher prices for home buyers. Developers need working capital for about 50% of the project cost, but banks are worried about unfinished projects in which funds got stuck, and others which are bogged down in litigation. Banks would rather lend to home buyers, not the builders. But uh, no buildings, no buyers. At the moment, the banks are only willing to lend to the big names, with the backing of large corporate houses. And those developers that do get construction finance do so at a rather expensive rate. Now, you may have heard of the property bubble in China. Evergrande and Country Garden, the world's most indebted property developers missing their debt repayments recently. Vast properties unoccupied. One Chinese commentator said that there had been too much property built all across China to even house China's more than one billion people. Now, given the tiny amount of residential property development in India, in comparison, it might be a to talk of a property bubble. Or maybe not. So you can have a big bubble, like China, and you can have a small bubble, like in India. Unsold stock is at a high in Mumbai, at about 400,000 units. About 125,000 units were added in 2022, which was around the same as the previous high back in 2014. For that reason, prices are stable, in fact declining slightly in the city. But despite all this, there is a bit of a mad rush going on, as the BMC approved 3,000 building project files back in 2021 alone. See, builders have to pay a premium to the BMC for their construction activity, and that year, in 2021, the BMC offered a discount of 50%, perhaps induced by the pandemic, leading to a rush of applications and approvals. 
That being said, a lot of these approvals were for redevelopment of existing housing societies rather than new construction. But the approvals of the last couple of years amount to an even greater number of units than the existing unsold stock of about 4 lakhs. At best, it could take six to seven years to sell the current stock. Even in south-central Mumbai, the poshest part of the city, the real estate market now urgently needs to clear its total unsold stock of nearly 11,000 units, exactly half the stock that had been launched since 2013. That is, in about a decade, 11,000 units still unsold. In fact, it's not just in Mumbai, but supply is exceeding demand in the top eight cities in India. Again, given that you will have heard of the crores of houses required to meet India's housing needs, you might wonder why so many houses are empty. Well, these houses are artificially expensive due to high land prices, shortage of construction labor, expensive raw materials, expensive building finance for developers. And so they are out of reach for most of the Indian households that need new housing. What is needed is affordable housing, not something which would interest too many private developers in the current building ecosystem. Something which, it seems, would require the government of India to take an interest.